former U.S. National Rugby Team captain. Team captain. Head coach and general manager. General manager. Now, the co-founder and CEO of the New England Free Jacks. Now. Now. Full Contact CEO with Alex Magleby. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining Full Contact CEO today. I am your host, Alex Magleby. I'm also co-founder and CEO of the New England Free Jacks. Joining me today is longtime sports business leader with extensive sales and executive level experiences in the NBA, PGA, and the artist formerly known as Major League Lacrosse, current president of the champions of MLL, Boston Canyons, Ian Frenette. Ian, thanks so much for joining today. It's great to have you. Alex, thank you. Uh, It's great to be here. It's great to catch up. Yeah, it's been a while. A lot has happened. And just full disclosure world, today's episode is brought to you by... The New England Free Jacks, you guessed it. The Free Jacks are an explosive and excitable professional rugby team competing in Major League Rugby. Um, You know, we aim to create unforgettable in-person experiences and deliver dynamic digital content that delights and excites fans as a world-class entertainment company. We never forget that life is better together on and off the pitch. (laughs) Now that sounds like great marketing material (laughs) right there. Okay, cool. Cool. Ian, to start, we're going to do a bit of wordplay, if that's cool, just to get warmed up. I'm going to say a word and just say the first thing that comes to mind, okay? Cool. Nova Scotia. Uh, Home. New Scotland. Uh, Another name for Nova Scotia. (laughs) New England. Uh, Home now. Poutine. Oh, I love it. It's a good trip tonight. (laughs) Just uh, great trips to Canada, particularly Montreal. Uh, Maple syrup. A bottle in the fridge now. Yeah, exactly. And you're like in the maple syrup corridor from Nova Scotia all the way down to New England. (laughs) Golf. Um, my 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 passion project. Yeah, trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. The Celtics. Uh. One of the best brands in the world. Best experience ever. So awesome. COVID. Uh, pivot. Quincy. It's, there's a lot of the words for that one. Yeah. Uh, and many would probably agree. But uh, for us, um, really special to the Cannons. Yeah, really special. And what you guys have did it, have done with that, that stadium is pretty awesome. Um, the Cannons. Um, a really exciting time right now. But uh, we're, we're – I want to say like – you know, founding entity is is a, is a good you know kind of quote to put around us. I love that. Yeah, two decades later, that's awesome. Family, number one priority. The future. Uh, it's very bright. That's awesome. Love that. Quick break. Just as a reminder, this is brought to you by the Free Jacks because you're a listener on this amazing podcast. Free Jacks are providing a full contact CEO discount to you. Just head on over to FreeJacks.com. Go to the shop and get some awesome tough comfort rugby stunk swag and overall amazingness. Use the discount code, all one word, full contact CEO for a 15% discount. Go do it. Freejacks.com. Ian, you grew up in Canada. You grew up in Nova Scotia. You know, how did you end up getting to the United States? I did. You know, um, I grew up in a, in a small town just outside of Halifax uh, by the name of Windsor. Um, it's a kind of a cool spot, actually. Um, has a lot of history, um, certainly in the sports space, too. Um, but I, 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 went, I did my undergrad degree at a school called Dalhousie University, which is based in Halifax. It's a huge, huge college. Um, I did my undergrad in biology. Um, and I 
literally hated every second of it um, from an <laughs> education standpoint. Um, but, you know, I, I, I muscled through it. And, you know, ultimately, as in my senior year there, I, I basically decided that I wanted to go to grad school and try, try sports business. Um, so I ended up leaving. Um, I got accepted into Springfield College and their and their program, uh, grad program there. And, uh, and then so basically moved to to Springfield in, in 2001. And, um, you know, spent two, two years there or a year and a half there and, uh, and then got right into kind of uh, the sports space through an internship in golf. Um, so that that's, that was the reason for leaving. Um, you know, these days, I, I don't get home at all. Um, but it's, uh, it's still very much home. A lot of my friends and family are, are, are still there and, uh, I miss it dearly right now. Um, specifically cause we haven't been able to get up. There. I was really hoping you were going to say I had to leave Halifax because it was such an amazing college party town that I had to get away. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, you know, I it's a Hel- if you haven't been to Halifax. You, you gotta go. Um, there's just so many, you know, great things and colleges is one of them. It is you know, a huge college town. There's probably, I think it's actually the, 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 the leader in bars per capita in Canada, which is uh, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, many of my, my favorite uh, locations are still alive up there, which is, which is a good thing. So we took the free jacks up there for our very first game. We became members in major league rugby in September of 2018 and by October, we were playing in an exhibition match with the Toronto team, the Brooklyn Major League Rugby, in Halifax. It was awesome. They're just great people. What I learned there was the whole connection between Halifax and Boston. And I'd yeah. seen the tree. I mean, we lived in Beacon Hill, and I kind of saw the tree. I didn't realize it. The great story about the um, you know helping in the harbor after the explosion. Just very yep. cool story there. So you went to Springfield to kind of get your master's, and then pretty quickly you were in where IMG worked on golf. Yeah, so right out, right out of you know, as part of my internship kind of requirements at Springfield, I I actually worked for Brad Faxon and Billy Andrade um, in their charity golf tournament in uh, in Rhode Island at Rhode Island Country Club. Is that it was CBS Classic, yeah, CBS Charity Classic. Um, and that you know, it was an internship, so it was just a tremendous experience, and we had. You know the the golf world, much like most of the the sports industries, is pretty small. And so I had an internship with those guys, and then it transitioned into a second internship with Greg Norman and his production company down in in Naples, Florida. So I went down to the the Shark Shootout for um, kind of a, a a contract stint down there for a little bit, and then I got hired by IMG, um, and you know, basically was moved back to Boston, based in Boston, and helped build the the Deutsche Bank Championship. I wasn't there for the first year of the tournament in 2003, but I was hired in February of 2004. And um, just a tremendous experience. You know, Jay Monahan, who's the commissioner of the PGA Tour now, um, was, you know, my boss. Um, basically, we were a four-person management team of the tournament um, based down in Norton, and uh, it was uh, just a, a great way to, you know, to be thrown into the mix and, and learn um, at a really high level from, you know, many of the best in, in sports. You know, certainly at IMG um, and certainly at that time was, you know, just 
cranking as far as their success in the professional golf space, you know, with Tiger at the helm yeah. of you know, kind of their roster of athletes and you know, that the, the event, as m- many people know, you know, supported the Tiger Woods Foundation. And so had a lot of experience in how, how to build a brand um, for, for Deutsche Bank, how to build a brand for the Tiger Woods Foundation, how to build, you know, a, a brand new event in you know, the city of Boston that or for the, you know, really the region that hadn't had a PGA tour or for, full field PGA tour event um, since the, I think it was five years before, um, if I remember correctly, you know, obviously the 99 Ryder cup was here, but um, you know, it was just a really amazing experience. And I, though I hold so many of those relationships um, from that first kind of full-time gig Um you know, so near and dear to me. And it was like, it was like a family. Um, and it was really special. And awesome. And a great education. I never asked yeah. you, did you know Jay Danzy when you were at IMG? Yeah. Jay? yeah. Jay was, yeah. we were at Dartmouth together a couple of years apart. Some great stories of hanging out with Jay. Good man. Yeah. He's a, uh, he's a good man. And, you know, he was able to kind of, you know, move on from IMG and start his own thing. And he, he's been really successful. Uh, he's Jordan's agent now, I think. He is, yeah. And he, um, get, him and I, I used think, to get in the wasabi eating contest and all sorts of things. I <laughs> 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 would lose most of them, but yeah. <laughs> that's great. Small world. And then so how yeah. do you go – so that golf tournament, that, that's the one that's now rot- rotates kind of with the FedEx and it's not it's not in Boston anymore, but it kind of comes back every other year. Right? Yeah, I don't. I don't know what their plan is for the for the future. Um, but I I know last year they were you know they were set to play in in Boston. Um, but yeah, it, it's it it's been it, it, you know it's kind of that there was one year when they didn't have it, which was two years ago because um, they played in New York. But I, I don't know what the long term plan is there. So I, I hope they are able to come back. Yep. At some point, how, how did you transition from there into the Celtics? Obviously, world class brand yeah. as well. No, I, I think uh, honestly, as I said, you know, kind of the the um, the sports space is is pretty pretty small, and I, I knew some of the folks over the Celtics. Um, you know, in, in two thousand nine, they it it all worked out. So I, I transitioned in the in the fall of two thousand nine from from IMG over to the Celtics. Took on a you know, a director of sales role over there. Uh, which, which championship. They're like, okay, now that we want a championship, we got to get on board. <laughs> exactly. We need to bolster up the sales team. And so, you know, I think just, you know, personally for me, that experience was, you know, beyond the, you know, who the Celtics are and, and, and the brand and, and obviously having a, a recent championship under their belt from 2008. For me personally, it helped me, simply hone in on kind of the sales side of, of my, my career and, and just focusing on sales. Um, obviously when I was at IMG and, um, you know, running the golf tournament, the, it, I had my hands on a lot of different areas of the business and my primary responsibility was sales, but, um, there were so many other things that, that played into that role. Um, it's actually kind of, you know, that role has helped me build <laughs> to do what I'm doing today. Um, but the, the Celtics and, and kind of working my way up through there, you know, ultimately, um, as I was heading up the new businesses, uh, new business sales uh, as a VP over there, um, was just a, a tremendous six years of just kind of honing in and 
learning the art of the deal and, and being creative. You know, the Celtics have a, a unique position in sports where, you know, they don't own their venue, um, but they own so many other things as far as a tremendous brand and history and a, a, a mindset of uh, more of an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, than many other sports teams that we are able to take that and really run with it and build a lot of significant assets for, you know, many of our corporate customers um, from a branding standpoint. Which is awesome. I mean, obviously a legendary brand, but history and, you know, WIC, you know, VC and everything else. I imagine that entrepreneurial spirit is um, pretty strong. Extremely strong. And it's what it literally leads um, or that at the time that I was there, it was it was a a huge philosophy as far as building, you know, strategy inside the NBA. And the Celtics were used as a a tremendous example in a lot of the deals that we did uh, to create new opportunities um, inside the NBA. You know, um he's our you know he's the commissioner of uh, major League rugby now the man yeah he's the best he spent 20 years you know kind of running shop there on the revenue side for mm-hmm. um, mark and and the, and the mavs they've really put in some real sophistication as we as we mature which has been awesome to have George involved he's yeah that 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 experience that he has uh, to bring into mlr is is tremendous and you know, I, I, the, the challenge, as you know, in many of these things is just try not to do things too quickly yeah. um, and, and trying to, to be, you know, to grow at a, at a clip and, a, and make decisions that are smart. Um, so you and just I have to look at the And a cost conscious as, as, we, as we grow revenue. But, but you've done things like brought in, you know, what we call Rambo internally and we're a single entity, but owner operators at each of the teams and you're kind of, you're really familiar with that and, you know, just making it internally competitive in, in a really healthy way, but okay. Ticket sales this week, sponsorship this week, merch this week. Um, and that's, um, that's a really healthy internal competition uh, with our partners in, within major league rugby. And that's been, that's been fantastic. Almost like that NBA model. Yeah. Just like Teambo. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Same awesome. same concept. And here's best case practices. Okay, this is what work is working here in Seattle. Okay, let's get that across to all our partners immediately. We tried this, this is not working, you know, avoid this software, that kind of stuff. So that's actually been um very, very cool. So speaking of transitions, and then you went from the Celtics, you know, kind of big money, MBA, big brand history to the cannons. I mean, the cannons have been around a decade, decade and a half. When you came over, what was that transition like? It was. It was interesting. Really interesting. You know, um, Rob Hale is the is the owner of the Boston Cannons, or majority owner, and um, you know, he's a, he's a Celtics owner as well. I, I get to know him uh, quite well while, while I was at the Celtics, and he had recently purchased the team, the Cannons, in two thousand thirteen. Um, and basically you know, he, he, in, in really ponying up to take over control of the cannons, he w- really wanted to make it an impact on building the, the, the team in a business sense. And, you know, it's not to say that wasn't happening before, but you know, just that we needed some new ideas, you know, at, at the cannons and in uh, major league lacrosse. So he and I, um, just had had a lot of great conversations about you know what the canon should be thinking about and how we you know how how that could be you know 
kind of brought to life, um, you know, how do you focus on, you know, being 365 days a year versus, you know, at the time, you know, seven home games and seven away games and playing in a, you know, a four month span. Um, so anyhow, so that, that transition, um, it happened, you know, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty quickly. Um, we had, uh, you know, basically October 1st of 2015, um, I started and, in the first year, I kind of sat back and you know tried to look at the business and you know where the you know the the pros and cons of many of the you know the current relationships and and uh, kind of operations sat. Um, and then 2016, we really kind of ripped ripped the bandaid off in in many areas and and started to to think you know more holistically about the Cannons Lacrosse positioning in Boston, um, how to how to make. You know the Cannons business, you know one of the best in in all of of professional lacrosse, and uh, and, and kind of to grow beyond there. So, you know we're five years later now, and you know the many of those, you know the things that decisions we've made and and strategic moves we've made over time have have really positioned us in a, in a great spot. Um, but it's ta- it's taken some time. Yeah, it seems like you, you, you know, every time we touch base, it seems like you have a really good team that you've built around um, and or mentored through. Just kind of walk us through your kind of people management philosophies. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, no, number one, you have to have um, great leadership. And what I mean by that is really having people in, you know, as, as our, you know, head of all of our department, our department heads are, are people who have tremendous experience in their fields um, and going after that, that talent is really important. But the, 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 if that's the one, a, the one B is they have to be great people and they have to be willing to, 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 to trust, um, trust me. And I, I, you know, I obviously need to trust them, but building out, you know, a team of people who also trust each other, um, is, is really, really important. So I, I think that, you know, the one B is just, you know, people who are, are, um, are good people, you know, at, at, at heart and at the same time are, are very trustworthy of, of the people around them. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and then I would say even, be, and then below, you know, we, we're, we're a pretty, uh, pretty lean type, you know, organization. We're pr- extremely flat. Um, there, there's no doubt there. Um, you know, that as an entry level or many of the, you know, kind of coordinator manager positions that we have, you know, and teammates that we have here, the, uh, those folks are, again, same thing. It's they're, they're, they're sharp, they're smart, they're, they can bring, um, more of a, you know, current, um, kind of knowledge base of data and analytics and, and, you know, uh, creative design and kind of, you know, trend worthy uh, experience into our organization. And that's extremely valuable, but you have to be, you know, you have to be team minded and, uh, and certainly, you know, prepared to, to work long hours and, and, uh, but just at the same time we work in sports. So this is about having a lot of fun too. Exactly. Uh, if you can't have fun in the sports business, then, 
uh, it might not be the business for you, but we, we try to find those folks that are in this to have a lot of fun all while uh, taking it, you know, seriously we too. Throw, we throw sports festivals and media that are supposed to be in the business of joy and hope. You're, you're exactly right. Very well said. The thing about the people thing is, is very pertinent to us. As you know, you know it's uh, you know we run lean as well, and are managing this um, with a growth kind of a growth strategy. You know, not rush out of the gates too fast and try to compete with the big four, um, you know, big five type thing. And um, it's finding the right people who can wear all those hats, right? And I think that's been interesting for us, experience for us. We're either finding people who are specialists that are super specialists and they're used to being in the bureaucracies of the bigger sports entertainment companies. Um, and there's a reason they're no longer at those companies or we're finding people who are in those, you know, specialty roles, but really are looking forward to expanding their skill sets. And that's where I think we've been probably most successful is having, you know, folks who may have been strictly, um, you know, in, in sales and some type of sales now getting a chance to do other type of sales and, and seeing how that fits into the event um, festival experience and having some say in that and ability to, to see how that can then help deliver on partners and everything else. And so that the holistic piece of it has actually been really helpful for us. Finding those people, of course, as you know, is a challenge. Um, mm -hmm. um, you know, we've been fortunate here in the last little bit to find some successes there and they effectively make the company, right? Um is Absolutely. I, I, what, you know, what I would add to that, you know, what I've experienced on our side is we, we've really impressed upon, you know, our, our team that if you have an idea, we want to hear about it, that this isn't, this isn't, you know, a leadership type of organization that, that presses down upon the employees and, you know, ask, ask them to carry out a task. You know, we we need to be creative in in the current position that we're in, and we're always going to need to be creative. You know that that's how you you grow and succeed in sports and entertainment. We've really put pressure that upon our entire staff um, as far as ideas, whether it's content driven or experiential and or festival driven. To your point, um, it's 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 really the the, the long standing. Um, trigger that that allows us to to have growth and opportunity. Well, which you've had to be right, and I think that's you, know, you, you guys have been in Boston successfully in Boston for two decades, right? And you know, that, that, that speaks volumes. And, and you know, had to change locations because again, you don't own your own stadium, and um, but then you've landed at Quincy and built this amazing space, which is fantastic. And what I don't think you know a lot of our listeners know is over the last year, you've actually been the president of not just the Cannons, but also the the new Connecticut. Yeah. So how did that work? How, how do you <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> imagine running two free jacks right now, you know? Yeah, no, it's, um, it, you know, basically the opportunity in, in, in 2019 uh, came up where, you know, as I mentioned, Mr. Hale, um, you know, owns the Cannons. He's he's also a significant investor into uh, Major League Lacrosse, and um, we wanted to add a team on the East Coast and and basically kind of reposition the Dallas franchise. And so you know, when we talked about operating that team, and there was you know, it was a full front office out in uh, out in Dallas, and obviously. Uh, you guys are pretty familiar with uh, with Bill and his experience because he's now your, yeah, um, your deputy commissioner. Um, 
So rather than building an entirely new team, we, we took on the responsibility of operating, you know, a, you know the, or the full plans of operating, um, you know, a franchise out of Fairfield, Connecticut. And it was a really exciting opportunity for, from our standpoint, because it allowed us to ultimately take the experience of our, our department heads and our leadership inside the Canons organization and taken many of the the practices that we are executing in in the New England and Boston market and transition them over to a, a new and up and coming franchise in Connecticut. So basically we added additional support staff underneath our uh, heads of departments and were able to execute. Um, it was a pretty exciting opportunity for us just to, to, to test ourselves and to to build a, a brand new uh, brand from the grant the ground up. Now, certainly, um, twenty twenty was a, a challenging um, kind of yeah, challenging year, but also just you know operationally from you know travel restrictions and then you know not being able to play any games you know in Connecticut um, that 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 proved to be you know really tough because it certainly didn't fit into our original plan that we rolled out in February of 2020. Um, but we, we've done a really good job with, with, with that brand. I'm really proud of our, our team for what we've created there. And I think, you know, that, that, that market as a whole is a tremendous lacrosse market and they are, you know, they are craving um, professional lacrosse at, at a really high level. Okay. Um, so it's, it's, it's very, very, um, green and lush and ready to be uh to to kind of be um you know fertilized with 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 lacrosse because it it's it's a it's a sport that is just you know really powerful down there yeah so if, I, if in five years from now i could have that experience of taking the, this team that we've developed with the free jacks and all that we've learned and then reapplying that to a new thing at the same time that that would be awesome that, that is so far right. yes yeah, so- it, it, it was it was it was it was great, and it, it was a growth opportunity for that helped us also learn about the Boston franchise too. So uh, it was a very exciting, um, you know, business opportunity for for us internally to get to grow through. But and then you guys won the championship this year, obviously in a crazy crazy environment, and had to, to you and your colleagues for pulling off uh, uh-huh. the tournament in general. What uh, like what were the changes made to to get that championship? You know, it's it honestly started, you know, from the the day that we lost in Denver um, in the semifinals to Denver in two thousand and nineteen. Um, you know, it was a it's a Friday night in October, and we lost. And you know, as much as we wanted to sit back and kind of lick our wounds after that, um, you know, we we did. We had a lot of hard conversations um, with with players and our coaching staff, and and basically looked around the room and and you know kind of said, "Listen, if we're gonna if we're gonna get there, we we have to be better. We just have to be better. We have to be better in every phase of of our of our planning, uh, execution, um, commitment, and it started then. And, and honestly." through the, the, even the challenges of, you know, COVID and, and planning for, you know, an abbre- what I would consider is an abbreviated season, 
playing, you know, a, a week long series of games in, in Maryland in hundred degree heat in July, um, was a whole nother challenge, but we were, we prepared ourselves, um, that, to be better. And, and we were able to execute upon it. And it was, it was really, really exciting. Um, you know, coach Cork and I have been you know, working at Bill. We, we both, you know, took, took over our roles in, in 2015. And, um, we, you know, we had some rough years on the field, you know, some years that we didn't, we didn't, we didn't perform very well at all. And, uh, to finally get there and win a, win a championship, obviously inside our league, um, is huge, but, also to to bring a championship back to Boston um, it means a, a a ton inside the Canada's organization um, and but at the same time it does have a, a pretty special um, you know kind of historic historic opportunity um, inside the city of Boston too so you know as an example just before the holidays we hung our banner our championship banners at at uh, at Logan Airport That's and see. It's so, I mean, yeah, I mean, New England loves winners, obviously. Like, looking back, last five years, okay, what's worked really important kind of for me, lessons there, and what happened? You know, you guys are in Boston, a very competitive sports and entertainment market. You know, what are some things that you would take take forward, and what are some things you're like, you know what, we tried that, it was a good idea, maybe, but it just didn't work. Like, what are some of those lessons that would be really helpful for us? Yeah, no, I, I'm really glad you brought that up because, you know, we've, we've had a lot of successes in, in, in many areas, you know, certainly in big with the stadium and those types of things. I, I think just in, in the big picture, even as a just league first or, or kind of sport first, you know, our, our athletes are, they're all still part-time. Most of them are still part-time. They're certainly part-time with the Cannons and, and they don't live in the market. So our inability to, and some some of our players do, um, but our, I don't want to call it failure, but just n- not being able to have yeah. our top, you know, many of our, all of our top players live in this market is really challenging. Um, so that I, I think that if I was to have a magic wand, I could say I could have all my guys here to live in this market, it would go a long way and there's tentacles to that as you can imagine um certainly you know from a media and pr side not just putting them in front of a camera but just having them out and participating in more community you know events um it is really something that i that we just haven't been able to figure that out we're really lucky you know nick morocco is our star goaltender and he is he's, he's the man you know he's and he's he's nailed it. Like we've done so many tremendous things with him, and 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 many of our other local players too. But you know, if if we had twenty to twenty five of him, um, all doing the same thing, it just makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 th- that's where I think we have kind of failed a little bit. But business centric, you know, specifically, we have not been able to figure out on the lacrosse side of things, how to be the best educators in the game. And that's a, that's a real challenge for me. What do you mean by that? I've always had the vision that our guys our our, our players. They're tier one athletes. They're the best lacrosse players in the world. There's no doubt in that. 
to be able to use them to teach kids or high school or you know any other level of lacrosse locally and and have us ultimately benefit from it from a business perspective we haven't been able to figure that out and i think we did a decent job you know maybe in like 15 and 16 and 17 but it kind of you know it's fizzled out there's a lot of competition for coaching kids um and i'm not saying that we need to be that you know you don't see the you know the bruins or the celtics they're not the ones that are out there teaching the kids but our our sports are in a different place and I think that that's a really important area for us to be in. We just haven't figured out how to do that really well. Yeah, um, I agree with you more. I mean, in comparison for us, you know, we have 12 different countries represented on the team, you know, and a bunch go back for six months of the year to play in, you know, the, the professional tournaments in New Zealand and um, South Africa. And so we get them for six months. And typically those are not our American stars, but our, you know, our overseas stars. And rugby is not a very star-centric sport, which is why everybody loves it, but also why it's a, it's problematic, right? It, there's not – it's harder to if, – if a player scores, 14 other people have done their job. Um, yes, you can see their faces, typically fairly handsome, um, but but it's uh, – it's it's just the way the game is. It's it's hard to get kind of that star factor. So it really has to be that kind of blocking and tackling about in the community on a regular basis, teaching kids, connecting with kids, kind of to build that rapport. And that is mm-hmm. something we have run into is are the athletes who are domiciled in New England who are part of our academy system that we're building out. They seem to you know when we when we you know sell a you know a Kinsuke Hadakiyama T-shirt. That sells a lot more than you know. Perhaps some of the other guys who, you know, you know, Kenny has decided to domicile. He's from Japan, but in in full time in in Boston, um, mm-hmm. you know that 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 T shirt you know probably goes a lot further than some of the other guys who have just as much of a following internationally. Um, things like that. So that is a, that is a great lesson for us. Really, I very much appreciate that. Yeah, it's 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 it sounds easy to accomplish because we have these assets. It, it, it's just not, I don't, I just don't think it's that easy. Um, is tremendous, you know, relative to you know, the salary, certainly in our sport, it's, it's a, it's a significant, right. And so for ones that come in on visas from overseas, that's a challenge because their, their rugby MLR salary alone for six months of the year is probably not going to sustain them. Um, in the United States, particularly in an expensive city like Boston, um, mm-hmm. so that is that is that is something that we are, are working on for sure. What else? What are some of the successes you found? I th- I think um, yeah, I, I think our most successful in you know aligned some, from what we just talked about, you know, our largest successes have been showing the faces of, of our athletes and getting them out in the community, not necessarily in lacrosse in lacrosse circles, but, you know, through our philanthropic partnerships that we've, that we've built with, um, you know, the city of Quincy and, um, you know, children's hospital, right. uh, in Boston is, is a huge one for us. I mean, do with children's again, I'm sorry. What do you guys do with Boston children's again? I love that. Like, yeah. So we, we, yeah. We do a lot of hospital visits um, with, or we, you know, in a normal year, we, we do a lot of hospital visits um, with them. 
Um, we have a, a, a golf tournament, an annual golf t- tournament that we host um, to raise funds for the hospital. Um, we also have a program um, based on the number of goals that we score during the season called Cannons Fighting Cancer. And those proceeds go back uh, to Children's Hospital Boston. So um, we've just kind of gr- created this really interesting, um, fun dynamic with the hospital that, you know, that that really, you know, the players just love it. They, they love going in there to talk about, you know, who they are and sign autographs from, for, for the kids and um, it, it's just a, it's a tremendous, it's a world-class organization. Um, obviously, you know, they, they're, they're actually the, the number one you know, children's hospital in the world. And, you know, for us to be able to partner with, with an organization like that, it, it just gives us a whole, you know, entity uh, or, or kind of whole nother vertical to go through, go down to. And it means a lot to our players. They, they want to, to give back to the community that they play for. So it's been a huge success um, for, for us uh, to work with, with, with those guys. Um, and our, and our players love it. I love that. How does the cans for cancer work? So points scored on the year and then, then folks donate based, like they, they do like a pre-assigned donation based on the yeah, number. They, they can pre-assign a, a pledge amount. It could be a dollar. It could be 10 cents. It could be a thousand bucks. I mean, it could be whatever, um, individuals, uh, want to pledge towards. Um, you know, there's been, there's been years when we've given, you know, over a hundred thousand dollars back, um, to the, to the hospital. Um, this year was a little less, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really exciting element. It gives us something also in our games to, to talk about, you know, today, you know, 10 goals were scored and, you know, that adds to our season total of X and X amount of dollars, you know, um, is expected to go back to children's hospital, Boston. So there, there's just, um, there's a there's a lot of tentacles, and I, I think you know we came came up with this platform to you know to really give us a position um, and and talk about our commitment to the community, and that that was um, that, that that was really helpful in sharing with many of our our fans who may or may not be l- lacrosse fans, but to to say you know this is not about the cannons on the field. You know, and and went and just winning on the field or putting a great product in the field. This is there's so much more to what we do, um, and I think I, a little bit of that came out of my my experience in golf, where every PGA Tour event is sure. signed from five hundred one c three, and yeah, you know that, that it's a it, it's been a really positive um, relationship that is just you know, been scattered through our entire organization, you know, from ownership all the way, all the way down to, you know, our, our coaches and, and players and, and, and staff. Yeah. That's, that's really awesome. And I think the Boston sports teams in general do a fantastic job connecting and helping in the community, uh, which is, which is absolutely tremendous. Um, so cannons next year, there's, you know, elephant in the room, not to throw you in the bus or anything. Obviously, this is just fresh, hot off the press. Uh, PLL and MLL have merged, um, you know, which seems to be which seems to make sense from the outside looking in. What's what's next? Well, that's a good question. Um, there's a right now we're really in in a, in a tremendous uh, transition process. Um, a lot of due diligence is happening right now on both sides, and I think. 
you know, that you're, you're, you're taking the assets of two leagues and, and you're, you're, you're putting them together. Um, and I'll, you know, th- this, this, you know, merger, um, you know, it, I would say the, the process is not finalized yet. Um, we expect that it will be finalized, you know, in over the next probably 60 days or so. Um, and a lot more detail will come out as we all work through, or, or I say we, you know, the transition team uh, works through the process of taking all the assets and trying to put them together into a plan that makes sense for, 2021 and and the long term. So, you know, for the Canons specifically, um, you know, the the, the Canons are a founding member of Major League Lacrosse. You know, since since 2001, uh, when the league was formed, the Canons have always been the Boston Canons. Um, it's been mentioned that the Canons will transition into the Canons Lacrosse Club, um, but that's all I, I know at this point. Um, and as you can imagine, just on the, the business side, there there are many many elements that go into a, a deal of this of this nature. And ultimately, I think that there's a lot that needs to come together on you know from the PLL and the MLL and the, and the Canon side of things. What assets are are powerful assets, and what needs to continue, and that and what may or may not change. Um, so, but I, but I can say that the, you know, working with the, the folks at the PLL has been, um, very positive and the, the folks, um, at the league side are certainly, uh, very much in, involved in this. And, and I've got, you know, my, my team has been involved in, in the process of, of transition. Um, but there's not much clarity right now. Um, which is okay. I just, we just need our, everybody to kind of work through the process, be patient. And, you know, the other wrench that, that kind of comes into things is, is COVID and, you know, the impact that ha- is having on professional sports right now. And, you know, trying to formulate a plan uh, that makes sense. You know, I think in all professional sports, and this is more of my personal opinion, the, you know, I think most leagues want to, they, they want to have a product they want to try to keep that product somewhat similar to what a normal season has been in the past. Um, but, you know, sometimes when you are forced to pivot, sometimes you learn a lot about, you know, the, what your product could be and how it may change. So philosophically, you know, most leagues are just trying to figure out how they execute in a safe manner, but to also do it with a potential um, opportunity to learn about your product and how you can present things. So I, I think that the, just p- trying to put this overall plan together for 2021 and what, you know, the first year of a MLL PLL merger looks like um, should be really interesting. So there's a lot to figure out. There's so many elements of operating a, a professional sports league and then taking two of them, and putting them together. Um, there's a lot of stuff to comb through. First, I love your patience as a leader in all of this. Just, you know, that's fantastic, you know, for how much unknown there is, not just with COVID, but mergers and everything else. That speaks volumes. Um, Yeah, I have a lot of time for Mike. He's been great. He's actually on on Full Contact CEO. Really love what kind of is happening in that space with with PLL and MLL. I'll I'll be curious, outside looking in, you know, Mm -hmm. tour-based model, but kind of centric around certain areas already, you know, is this just a really wise play in terms of 
core-based model, generate media, generate new fan bases, and then have a transition to city-based, certainly those franchise values then would be a lot more where you have a stable home and if not a hybrid model, then an eventual city-based model. Uh, mm-hmm. It'd be really interesting to see how this all evolves over the next couple of years. Com- completely agree with you. And I think that that's that's the natural process that, that this is going to take is, is, you know, everybody needs to look at the assets and the opportunity and, and try to put a plan in place that makes sense for the sport. There's a, you know, there's a real responsibility here now for us, you know, not where we're not competing any longer to, to, to put a tremendous product in place and something that is sustainable for the long term. And um, that's going to make our our fans and sports and and sport grow um, at a tremendous clip. And so, I think there's a lot of smart people in our game, and I think there's a lot of smart um, you know business leaders that that we all have kind of rowing in the same direction. Um, it's just going to take time to iron out all the, the specifics of what our strategy should be going forward. Yeah. Very cool. I look at that from a rugby perspective. We have 15-a-side rugby and 7-a-side is kind of traditionally the summer festival version. Yep. There's a World 7 series, and it's kind of that tour-based model. You know, would something like that work in North America? Yeah, perhaps. Um, you know, but you generate – you really have to generate media to make that work. Um you know, right now the World Seven Series is, you know, it's on. It's you're watching Hong Kong, so you're watching the middle of the night. You're not going to generate kind of those North American eyeballs. So you'd have to do it um, in North America and 15s. You know what Major League Rugby is. Um, not that we couldn't also do sevens, but it's more you know a city-based model. Um, two very different models. One is more of a real estate play, burn it hot in one location. And then obviously the the touring model, you reduce costs in certain in certain ways, and you can really drive that festival and create a lot of content at once. And then um, you know, but but what fills that vacuum for the other three hundred sixty fourth sixty three days of the year? Um, and so I could see very much you guys going to like that hybrid model, which is pretty cool. So speaking of the future, you know, you, you mentioned it a bit with COVID, and everybody's had to kind of reassess over the last ten months. Where do you think? What changes? You know, where are we going to be six months from now, but two years from now? There's so many different angles to, to that we could go down on this one, but I, I think I, I just think unification is really good. This is a great thing for our sport. I, I mean, I'm really excited about the the this for our sport and how it can really help set the stage for really the next you know, seven or eight years, you know, as we, as we head towards 2028 and the Olympics, um, you know, the, the, the Olympics has been, you know, kind of a, a goal for lacrosse to get, to get into, uh, to get into the game. You know, if we can do, you know, again, I'm talking about our entire lacrosse world. That's, right. you know, it's us lacrosse. It's, you know, obviously the you know the global governing body um, in the ILF. Um, you know, it's just if we can do some things right at the professional level here and and get on a path that is a is a, a has a long term plan behind it. Um, I, I think that that can really help us. So it's not necessarily you know, and that 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 doesn't help fans. Um, you know 
you know, kind of have an understanding, like, when can I go to a live lacrosse game next? I don't think anybody can answer that question um, right, na- right now um, for in, in professional lacrosse. Um, it's, it's, it's hard, but I, I hope that we are going to have a plan to, to come out to people with in, in early March, you know, much, much akin to, to you guys and share, you know, what, what, what this plan looks like. Um, but I can, you know, it's really hard to make plans and then, and, and present them and then have to change them and go and go, you know, go in a different direction. We, I think we learned that a lot in, in 2020. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it really is going to be an exciting time. And I'm, and I'm just hoping that, you know, this, as everybody is COVID can start to slow down and, and we can get back to some somewhat of a more normal state um, in the sports landscape and, and uh, see a, I guess a, a light at the end of the tunnel. Exactly. I and mean, for us, you know, live events are so important to our experience. Yes. We do believe we have a good TV friendly product, but more importantly for us to grow this is that live events experience. Um, you know, we think that's definitely a competitive advantage. And so that's going to be really important to our success is, you know, but getting folks together and having a great time is, is a really important piece to our really business model from a revenue standpoint from what our fan generation um, really key. So that'll be a big one for us. It's yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you know, that's the challenges getting buying for people's time. And once you have their time, how do you make sure that the experience you provide them is, is, you know, lights out or that they, they're going to keep wanting to come back. And that, that, you know, that's the, that's the the big kind of you know element that you need to accomplish in, in entertainment, um, and and you know you guys have such a tremendous following and here locally, and I I really believe that you know you guys you guys didn't have a chance to to play last year um, and, and execute in a way that you wanted to to kind of kick things off in the right way. Um, so there's a lot of pent up. You know, interest. You, you just kind of have to nail it, though. To your to your point of, you know, TV is one thing, but you know that live fan experience is so important to creating you know exponential uh, growth in, in your fan base. And I, I'm craving the opportunity to get back to that. And right now, we can't do it. It's tough. Well said. I'm really excited for the mundane work of execution. <laughs> yeah. It's really yeah. that's really exciting. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, like the the off season from my standpoint has always been about how do we how do we build the model, and then and then you transition into you know the ninety plus days leading into execution of how how do you master the model and the execution watching those pieces actually interact with each other and come to a, a completion point, and that's really exciting. Yeah, uh, and. I, I'm, I'm somebody who likes to, to to certainly walk and then start to pick up the pace and run towards the finish. Yeah, um, and I haven't been able to do much of that lately. So I, I need I need I need some of that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay, quick ones for you. If you could re- yeah. if you could redo life, what is the biggest thing you would change? You know, I it, I would have more. Um, 
I don't want to say mentors, but more business kind of um, experience earlier in life. Like as, as a kid, and I obviously I will you know love my family dearly, um, but I you know, we I just I didn't come from a like a business minded uh, family, and uh, or and I had some friends that have had you know kind of parents who were CEOs and but I didn't think about business as as a as a kid or even like the early part of college obviously i said i you know science uh and and you know didn't love it but i i love entrepreneurial um opportunities and and these the experience everything that i've learned in sports and even over the last couple years has been just it's 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 invigorating to me so i wish i had surrounded myself with a little more of that as as a you know is a teenager and into you know my early 20s yeah how empowering is that like see big picture and then be able to deliver on the minutia and decide what's most important and that that is enormously empowering and the process is certainly rewarding and challenging um but that's uh yeah absolutely but so no no lemonade stands for Ian when you were a kid no i mean we did that stuff but like sur- surrounding yourself with people who were like killing it. Yeah. Right? Like, wow, I want to be like that guy. Or how did I, how did that, how did, how did this person make it? And where do they, you know, where were some of their challenges? I, I just, I, I didn't surround myself with much of that. Um, as a, you know, as a teenager or, or as, you know, I kind of transitioned to my twenties and I love it now. And I just wish I had done it sooner. And I, I hope, you know, I've got, two young kids and I hope that I can provide some of that experience to them and, and see if they have any interest at all. Um, but you know, coming up through the school system, you just, you didn't get, I didn't get that. So that's something I wish I had more of. This generation is certainly much more savvy in that regard um, than we ever were. So besides yourself, who on the cannons fight a grizzly bear without any weapons and win? (laughs) Uh, that's a great question. I, I, I love that question. Um, Zach Goodrich is our guy, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. He's the goalie. Is he the goalie? No, he's our, he's our, our D midi. Okay. Um, he is an animal. He is extremely, uh, unassuming. Um, but tough as nails. He's every team's worst nightmare. Um, he's like a gazelle. Um, he gets up and down the field, you know, better than anybody I've, I've ever seen. Um, he's, he's, and he's, he's just tenacious. Um, so he's, he's, he's an incredible, uh, athlete and, and per, even better person. Um, so he, he's, he's my, my choice on this one. He sounds a lot like how I perceived how I played when I played for the US. <laughs> Is that when you had, uh, had dreads or yeah, yeah. totally? <laughs> Glory days, the red dread. The red dread. <laughs> uh, don't tell my mom. Of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, favorite book you're reading or you read lately? I like this one too. So I, I read. I think it was back in September. You know, again in the midst of you know 2020. Um, this book by Ryan Holiday called "The Obstacle Is the Way." Okay, I'm gonna write that down. It is, um, and you know, Ryan's. You know, he, he's had some experience in sports and entertainment, um, but it's just a, it was it's a great book. It talks through a number of different um, stories, but also just reminding you that 
you know, every day there's, there's, there's something that, that, that's going to potentially come along and be a, a challenge or an obstacle, but it's ultimately what you take away from it in the end and, and how you take that experience and move on to the next experience that you're going to, you know, come up upon. And I just love that. You know, it really, you know, after just a, you know, a tough year for so many people, you know, it, it really helped me kind of level set a little bit and get a feel for, you know what, let's just keep going. You know, you're going to, we're all going to keep, keep growing by managing through the challenges that we come up upon. And I, I, I loved it. It, it. It's a great, it's a great book. Obstacle in the way. The obstacle is the way. Is the way. I love that. By Ryan Holiday. Perfect. I was reading um, Believe Us by uh, Jür- um, about Jurgen Klopp by Melissa Reddy. That's a great quick read. It's fun. I'm just kind of in our space, but I always look to lessons from, you know, Smucker because it's so goofy to me. But uh, <laughs> great lessons, lessons there. Um, what's your favorite piece of merch? You know, I'm a I'm a quarter zip guy. Um, you know, you know my my worst kind of. Um, yeah, you, know, you, you walk me into any golf shop anywhere, and I'm walking out of there with a quarter zip every time. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, yeah. and hammerhead side, I'm always wearing uh, my Canon's three quarter zip <laughs> or quarter zip. It, it's just a, it's it's I feel comfortable in them. It could be the dead of summer, and I'm sitting, I'm jacking up the AC because I I just want to be in that quarter zip for so like. That's that, awesome. Watch something in the Free Jacks, Light the Lantern, Fisty Revolution, Quarter Zip. So shoot oh, address and size, and we'll get you sorted. Um, and I always kind of end on this one. If you yeah. were running the Free Jacks day-to-day, what would you be focusing on? I, I, you know, I think we talked a little bit about it earlier, and I've experienced this with the Canons. It, it, you can't solve everybody's you know, goals and problems overnight. You, know, you have to be strategic about the direction you want to head in and you, you have to choose a handful of, you know, focus areas. My, 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 my God has always told me, you know, grow big, grow fast and so on. But then you have to, you know, remind yourself you can't do it all overnight. And so like, you know, it's taken us five years to get to this point. And I think we're at a pretty pivotal point right now, you know, in the lacrosse world um, with, with this merger, um, you know, that, that's a, this is a macro move. This is a huge move and it's a tremendous thing. But at the same time, we need to to take care of all the little pieces of of the business that we've built today. These are our you know, our media partners and our charitable partners and our business you know corporate partners and our ticketing um, you know customers and our fans on social media. All these little pieces that we've worked so hard over the last twenty years to build. We need to make sure that we are continuing uh, continuing to take care. Of those people, yeah. and and that was done over twenty years. So in a growth in in taking the next steps to go forward, you need to, you know, one one fan, one sponsor, one charity at a time. I was about to say one fan at a time is so yeah. crucial. And you know, you guys know this. Like you just yeah, you have to do it. The, and every fan and sponsor and 
charitable part and they're and and player like coach they're all different you know there's just so many tentacles to each one of these uh stakeholders that is involved in you know building your brand they're all really important again you're not going to make 100% of them happy customers or happy you know stakeholders at all times but you have to nurture those relationships one at a time and that's that that's how it gets built um it's it's a hard thing to do but it's how the successful ones have done it um you know when you look at just in our region as comparison you know start with the celtics because i spent so much time there but you know that brand has taken years and years and years to grow um and and it's you know they they benefit from it today but they still continue i can tell you from being on the inside the walls it is a it is a very personal um, relationship that every stakeholder at the Celtics organization holds with um, with with that 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 brand in the front office. That's awesome. Um, that took years. I mean, Boston was a hockey town. I mean, it still is a hockey town. Like, it's also about. Right. But I mean, it was it, you know, it took ten years of winning championships to yeah. use that in some ways. Right. So they, the, all those elements, and again, no matter what your brand is, you just have to understand who your your target is, and then expand upon it. You have you do ultimately have to cast a wide net at the right times. Um, and that the, the last thing I'll say that that's what was probably one of the largest benefits of us, you know, bringing the cannons to Quincy and working with the stadium or the city and and positioning ourselves in that in that stadium and the renovation that we did there was that we we had, had more non lacrosse fans come to our games in 2019 than we did lacrosse fans. And that was the best part of it. That's awesome. Yeah. Getting outside of the lacrosse bubble. Right. I think it's really important as kind of the PLL now as it's called grows is that's going to be really important. That new fans, you know, and for certainly for, for rugby and for us that that's key because we do not have that embedded youth movement and scholastic model as robust historically as lacrosse is. Um, so that's, that's really key for us. It, and it, and at that point too, it, it's, you know, it's, I don't want to say sold, but it's presented as entertainment and then you become a fan. Right. You know, right. You know so many people would come to veteran stadium. And be like I've, I've never, I'm just so curious. I've never seen a lacrosse game before. I, I just, I want to come check this out. Oh, and by the way, I heard you guys have concerts before every game and you know, you have, you know, a beer garden and like all these experiential elements that, you know, pull those, um, you know, those fans or, or, you know, potential fans in to uh, experience something that's pretty cool. And so there's a lot of trial and error, right? Um, you, you learn a lot about yourself when you go through that process. Yeah, be patient is, is your point, and, and you live that. And, and that's clearly demonstrated again today. Focus on key things, not everything. You know, grow at the right pace, and it's really one fan at a time. And then nurture. You, you use that word nurture a couple times. I think that is that is so key, folks. This was Ian Fournette with us today on Full Contact CEO. Thanks for joining, and uh, tune in next time. As this episode is brought to you by, you guessed it, the New England Free Jacks. Go over and check out the wonderful website, and jump over to the shop where there's some fantastic merch, stunk swag, and overall unbelievable kit. They don't yet have a full contact CEO jumpsuit. 
hopefully soon. Uh, but in the meantime, use full contact CEO, all one word, as a discount to get some of that cool gear, tough comfort, rugby, lifestyle, amazingness, 15% off. Full contact CEO on the Free Jacks website. Go check it out. Get yourself some awesome stuff. <laughs>